The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. And this is the Pat Kenny Show with Anton in for Pat. And I'm joined today by Gary Gannon, the Social Democrats TD for Dublin Central, Cormac Devlin, Fianna Fáil Chief Whip and Deputy Government Whip, and Dublin Spokesperson and TD for uh, Jim Leary, and Tig McNally, who is a political reporter for the Irish Examiner. We're going to look at the stories making the news this week, and it is impossible to so do without looking at what has happened in Israel and the Hamas attack on Israel and the likely retribution. And perhaps that's where we might start, Gary Gannon, is with that likely retribution. What's your expectation um, for what we are likely to see in the coming days and weeks? A horror on a scale unimaginable to what any of us considered possible before last Saturday. Um, I think most of us woke up last Saturday and looked at the absolute horrendous attack by Hamas on innocent civilians, young people attending a music festival and couldn't but anything recoil in horror. I'd never believed such was imaginable. And then what occurred in the days to follow that was the retribution. The Israel has every right to defend itself, has every right to seek those who inflicted that sort of horror on their citizens. But what has emerged is probably what we also expected, which is collective punishment, um, bombing on a mass scale. Half of Gaza, two million citizens, half of those are children under the age of 18. They have nowhere to run. Netanyahu's comments that people should leave when he knows full well that they have nowhere to go is... Like it's, I'm instilled with a fear that I just can't believe is happening in my well, life. Well, we were speaking to Duncan, uh, Duncan Bullivant mm. earlier on. He said that one of the things that Israel will be very aware of is the level to which the, the eyes of the international community are on them. So presumably that will inform any military response. In terms of a military response, it's already happened. Like 4,000 bombs have been dropped on Gaza in the last five days. There is currently a siege, of, a siege of medieval proportions there where they've stopped water, they've stopped electricity, they're not enabling food to come in. There are no humanitarian corridors open. So in terms of the response so far, it's already gone well beyond anything that should be enabled in terms of any theatre of war. So they've already gone beyond that and yet we still have the ground invasion to happen. Uh, the ground invasion of four, like hundreds of thousands of troops going into Gaza. This is going to be street by street fighting. There is not going to be able to be distinguished between who is an enemy and who isn't. Much the same way as bombs, but this is going to be on a street level. And then if Lebanon, if, sorry, if, if other nations get involved then too, I mean, we're in very dangerous waters. Well, to that matter of, of the capacity to distinguish between who is a combatant and who is a civilian, that isn't helped, Cormac Devlin, by the um, Hamas telling people not to leave and actively using the civilian population as shields and shelter. Exactly. And I mean, that's part of the reason why Hamas are a part of the European terror list is that uh, their use of civilians as shields is despicable. But indeed, the actions that they undertook on Saturday, as Gary said about the concert of young people celebrating, uh, you know, uh, not care in the world and then this t- despicable uh, act to happen. Um, but what is escalating now or what seems to be escalating over the last couple of days on the border uh, of Gaza is extremely worrying. Um, you know, worrying for humanitarian aid, trying to access uh, Gaza to give relief and support to the people of Gaza and the innocent people, people ha- who have no truck with, with Hamas. Um, and, and it is extremely worrying for the international community and for us in Ireland who've been 
long supporters of the Palestinian people. Um, I know the Taunish just spoke the other day uh, with, uh, you know, the Palestinian Authority. Uh, he's kept up good contact with the Jordanians and other uh, very important actors in all of this because the regional d- instability that could you know, stem from this uh, is exceptionally worrying. And what, what's your hope in terms of the response from Ireland, from the UN, from the EU, from the international community? What, if anything, would you like to see happening? Look, I think, um, you know, I would agree with Gary's comments in terms of Israel have a right to defend itself. Um, this problem in the Middle East has been brewing for a number of years and obviously it's a conflict that's gone for on for decades. Um, but more than that, I think, um, you know, Israel wants to you know, have revenge, I suppose, on Hamas. Um, but as we know ourselves, given the size of the Gaza Strip, uh, there are going to be innocent casu- casualties here. And I think, you know, ultimately, the humanitarian corridors are important, uh, not only for aid, but indeed for civilians to leave uh, and to show compassion and mercy to the Palestinian people, as I say, who have nothing to do with this. Well, you brought up that issue, Gary Gannon, of the availability of humanitarian uh, corridors. They are an easy thing to say. They are a difficult thing to create, particularly when the bombardments are destroying roads and infrastructure and buildings willy-nilly. Yeah, completely, which is why they're really essential to be calling for and international leadership needs to be shown. Look, I actually think the Irish position over the last couple of days has been one that has been on the right side of morality. I think we've taken a leading role in terms of when other nations have kind of just took a step back and talked about Israel's right to defend itself, which of course they have, but that seems to have given a free carte blanche to absolutely go and destroy and eradicate Gaza. I think we've taken a strong line in terms of calling for holding firm against the cuts to EU funding. I think the Irish state were very responsible in their role there. I think Michal Martin's visit to the Middle East a couple of weeks ago places us in almost a unique position in the world in the sense that we have access to people on both sides of this conflict. Um, I think Ireland's, we've often talked over the last year about Ireland's place in the world when it comes to defence and when it comes to what are we. I think there's a clear example of what what we can be here. We can be a voice for peace, a voice for humanitarian. Um, I think we need to be linking it. I can understand humanitarian corridors are difficult, particularly when hostilities are so inflamed, tension is so inflamed, but that's the call that we need to be making. But we also must remember though the hostages as well that have been taken and that's something that isn't because of the you know the bombs and and the missiles etc raining down from both sides uh, we also can't forget those people who've been held in captivity now we also presumably Tyg uh, McNally can't underestimate the level of Israeli fury that there must be because I was listening this morning to News Talk Breakfast and they had a, a gentleman on who was a previous um, advisor um, to Herzog and he was saying he he his analogy was if you look at it on a per capita basis by the scale of Israel, with the amount of deaths that were inflicted by Hamas, this is 10 times the scale of 9-11. This is an unimaginable atrocity in terms of the, the scale of, of population. That must create a, a fury and a level of vitriol and hatred that is almost uncontrollable. Yeah, you'd have to imagine so. I mean, like, you know, this is the biggest terror attack that has ever uh, been committed by Hamas on it, against Israel, you know. But I suppose the question is, is, you know, what scale does that retribution need to be at against, you know, and essentially what are innocent civilians who are living mm. in Gaza? Like, you know, it's a, such a tiny, tiny strip of land. You know, it's 25 miles long. It's half the size of Louth. Like, you know, the smallest county in Ireland. Like, there's 2.2 million people who are living there at the minute. Like, you know, and half of them are children. Like, you know, the question is, is like, does there need to be such endless bombardment of missile attacks on, you know, Apartment blocks, um, like the Israelis will, will, will argue that 
there are Hamas Hamas fighters and Hamas leadership are are in are in the Gaza Strip. That's the that's the the, the narrative they're using to 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 attack. Um, but I suppose that, like at what stage does you know mm. the amount of deaths that, that are going to occur in Gaza over the coming days and coming weeks? When does that become too much? I think um, the Taoiseach said the other day that. Um, there will be come a time when other international leaders will uh, will run out of patience and will will run out of support for uh, continued attacks against Gaza. Well, can I ask all of you on that? One of the things that I'm intrigued by, and again, going back to a point that Duncan Bullivant made about the need for Israel to win the propaganda war. Mm-hmm. If you look at what's happened in the last couple of days and the sharing of propaganda, because we have seen images mm-hmm. released mm-hmm. where they are ostensibly true and maybe correct, but we don't know. And we've seen images released where they are taken from conflicts that are a, a, a decade old, yes. when they are utterly unrelated. And we are being bombarded by oh. what we don't know to be fact or true. Is this the first major conflict where we begin to reap the damage that has been sold by no. social media no. with a lack of control and governance? I'm not, to be honest with that, I'm not sure, but what I would say is we cannot become desensitised to violence of one form over another. So, yes, in the days past, we're talking about the horrendous imagery of decapitated children, which is just horrendous. And that was what the propaganda that was being put out. I don't know if it's true or not, if it's valid, I couldn't speak to it. But, I mean, how is that different from a child being blown up from a bomb from the sky? And so if we become, des- like, the image of that young lady being taken away in the back of a truck for me is seared into my mind at the minute. It's just seared there. I can't step away from it. But how is that different from other women in um, Palestine being bombed from the sky, holding their children, hearing bombs come passing by and wondering if the next one is going to land on top of them? Propaganda is really important here, but that's when, I don't know, this sounds so cliche, but that's when our humanity has to step in and say, why does it matter if people are dying? As long as 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 they're dying, we need to be condemning it in all of its forms. And actually... Ireland's position here and I, like, I don't want to step away from it we have to be people who are advocating for a peace for solutions we can't give carte blanche to retribution on a scale that we're seeing and we haven't I think we've been strong here but I hope we become stronger On the issue of propaganda unfortunately it isn't the first time and actually only in the most recent past particularly in Ukraine we've seen it in mm. Crimea we saw mm. it before that and I would argue that the international community failed when Crimea was was annexed because they just looked on uh, and I think this is different. This has been a conflict, as we know, a conflict on our island for too long. Uh, this conflict has been uh, going on, uh, but it was relatively peaceful over the last number of years. Um, but actually, uh, since Saturday night, um, you know, all things have changed. And as I say, I, I'm very concerned about the region itself. Yeah, but I think the idea that the has been relatively peaceful over the last couple of years would be taken umbrage from if you were on the Palestinian side where you'd see kind of increase in terms of settler violence being inflicted upon, but the land grabs, settler violence. But to this scale, though, it's, it's different. But the, you know, the scale, but the, I, I appreciate the yeah. scale, but in terms of the language of the peace, they haven't experienced peace. I mean, last year there was a journalist from Al Jazeera who was shot in the head while Correct. filming a violence in a settlement camp. I mean, that's it's been horrendous, which is why we've been in the doll, we've been making various statements about Palestine. Like I can sometimes appreciate people looking in and saying, why are you talking about the Middle East when you should be talking about our housing crisis, for example? But it's because we've been receiving these images from people in Palestine with friends who go there. The violence has been on a fairly incredible proportion, but 
appreciate scales of increase over the weekend. That's Gary Gannon, um, Socialist, de- Social Democrat. Social Democrat. Gary Gannon, Social Democrat, TD for Dublin Central. And he's, he's talking to Cor- uh, Cormac Devlin, Fianna Fáil Chief Whip. With us as well is Tyke McNally, who is political reporter with the Irish Examiner. This week, of course, also saw the budget. And Tyke, you may be um, too young to remember the budgets of yore when it was great crack, when there would be all manner of rabbits coming out of hats. This was a very, even by modern standards, anticlimactic affair, wasn't it? Uh, uh, look, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the amount of leaks that came out, out in the weeks ahead, you know, were on an astronomical scale, you know, even like last, it's, it's been the same for the last couple of years. Like we're, we're seeing, you know, the majority of the budget being released in the days and weeks leading up to the budget and then on budget day it more or less is a formality of you know the Minister for Finance And we've and all Minister sorts of frameworks and parameters and guide rails that narrow mm. the scope for creativity when the Al briefcase comes out Well I mean that's it the, the summer economic statement every year sets out how much money the government is allowed to spend on the budget you know every year you know uh, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath come out and say well this is how much we're going to spend we're going to do 1.1 million on tax uh, 6 billion on other spending measures and that's all years are getting um, they come out doing it, do it every year but you know, it's all very heavily trailed, you know, now. And that's just the way, that's just the way it works. You know, it, people are very leak happy. Um, and, you know, it, it's it, it's a blessing for us because we, we can fill the papers with, you know, budget speculation week after week after week. But then on budget day, you know, it can be a bit more muted whenever, like, you know what's coming. There's never really a surprise. There wasn't really a surprise this year. Last year, the only big surprise I can sort of think of is the concrete levy. And that was a bit of a negative surprise as well. Like, the government had to massively roll back on that. Um, and I suppose that the only, the nearest thing to a surprise in this, and, and Cormac Devlin, you might have a response to it, is the scale of the spending versus the um, tax cuts, uh, breaching the government's own intended maximum spending guidelines and Irish Fiscal Advisory Council saying that this may be pro-cyclical and pro-inflation at a time that we need the exact opposite. Yeah, look, I think uh, on the issue of the of the budget itself and, and the facts being known beforehand, yes, I mean, there was quite a bit out there, uh, particularly the morning of. Um, uh, but in saying that on the serious side, it was well known in advance and articulated by both ministers. Um, but Minister McGrath had said it uh, recently that it was going to be a cost of living budget. That was the main aim of this, recognising the high cost of, uh, you know, inflation in the economy. People needed uh, support and there was all sorts of other supports given in that. On, Some on, people. It has to be said. Some people needed support. Some people are doing very well in the current economic Correct. And climate. That's, was yes. it sufficiently tailored to address Correct. that? Correct. Well, the ESRI came out this morning, actually, to that point uh, and saying that it was targeted to those who are on the lowest income. Uh, and with the, with the one-off supports, that's the main aim of those, is, is not to build it into the core expenditure, uh, but to target the uh, money that we have uh, for those who are uh, on, on lowest incomes. So, so but I would, what I'd also say, though, in terms of the summer economic statement, that, as you alluded to, that kind of sets out the parameters for the budget. And once that was uh, once that was known, Indeed. then of now course we all got very busy with the pre-budget. Gary Gannis, if you think about the people who need it the most, and look, I appreciate there are many people in this country doing well, but every year there's Vincent de Paul, Social Justice Ireland, Torlai, the fact that there's about 650 to 700,000 people who are living below the breadline. This is a large budget. I think it's the second biggest budget in the history of the state. There was the opportunity there to make a radical difference. When the tale of the tape is written of this, what will have really been achieved? Qualified child allowance increases of €4. Euro. 
What's that going to do when a person is living literally to hand to mouth at the moment? Increasing social welfare by 12 euro. Look, if you had told me this a number of years ago, I'd probably said fine. But at the same time, where cost of living increases are so big that St. Vincent Paul's Social Justice Ireland, others are calling for 25 euro increases just to keep a person's head above water. That did materialise. One of universal payments, such as what was chosen by the government and is the same as last year, will give everybody a little bit and like probably a lot of people that don't need it when there's actually people who live in hand to mouth who won't go will go without the Taoiseach made a big deal when he came into power of the title and child poverty and I, when he said that I thought that's a really good thing that's a really good admirable thing to do he made a statement in the Shannon a couple of weeks ago about how we'll see the benefits of that in the budget would anybody have said yesterday that this was a budget that was going to do anything but to there's the, but on, on, the, on the flip side of that yeah. increase in minimum wage uh, there's obviously been ha- ex- additional housing support as well. Uh, there's the uh, family income supplement as well increased. There's been the reduction in trans- transport fares. I mean, in terms of cost of living for, for families who need it, they, they are there. And then there's the additional social welfare support as well. One-off payment, albeit, but it, it's important to give those people... I think it was a good so say last year one of the budgets one of the measures that really took I said that's a really good measure free school books to primary school students was last year was announced like that great measure this year it went up the junior cycle the first phone call I got was from a principal in a desk skill going will we, lose, will we lose our ICT grant too because that's what happened to schools last year free skill books removal of ICT grants seems to be the same case this year if you think about in schools for example where free skill books would make an absolute difference probably at senior cycles where you have seven subjects seven subjects books between 40 and 40 euro and they're just left out of it so I don't doubt the well, fact there are good things in the budget but will it make a difference Well just on the, on the issue of St Vincent Paul Gary mentioned about uh, you know those supports uh, Vincent Paul actually recognised there was a 20% reduction uh, in those back to school calls yeah, and that's important but so that's, that, that is targeting that cohort that's but that's, and I think that was a really good point and we've been saying for a long time when you make targeting interventions it works but you cannot take away the ICT grant as a way of covering it people get books okay. but they lose the laptops We have that point the other thing of course that is making news this week or hopefully will make a lot of news tomorrow fingers crossed yes. touch wood all things going in the right direction <laughs> is uh, we might uh, get agreement on this <laughs> let's finish on the note <laughs> elitist part <laughs> <laughs> this Gary nicely put that is what I wanted to ask I was listening this morning to Kira Kelly and because she's not here I can paraphrase her and put a lot of jam on, on what the discussion was but there was a discussion this morning between herself and Jonathan Heaney and I won't say who said it but there was a general sense of look this whole rugby lark is posh boys from Black Rock and Andrews and Belvedere and all those kind of schools and fair play to them and it's nice that they have a little day out but that it isn't anything like the way football uh, is and we're not going to see anything like Italia 90 all over again and we should all really keep it in perspective. I think if you went down to Munster they'd probably opposite be true. It's a very working class sport in Munster for example and look I'm on the absolute bandwagon here like I didn't go to a rugby game until about two years ago to be got good but I absolutely haven't missed a game since. I appreciate that sense that it is probably isn't a sport in Leinster particularly in Dublin it's probably more of a south side of the river sport where actually Brian O'Driscoll was north side. But, um, yeah but he took the Saxon ship. <laughs> yeah he did indeed. Um, I did look I'm absolutely on the bandwagon I think it's great whenever we're doing well I think it's something that we need to celebrate I take the point about Leeds Warfare I also would have, I would have held that view a couple of years ago before I was introduced to kind of the monster approach to rugby like standing fight and all of that I love that I think it's brilliant it's given great sense of pride achievement we with. use monster as a fierce fake leaf though don't we yeah. <laughs> 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 sure look at monster that sure, like, those, <laughs> those lads are not push <laughs> we, we can do but like is it necessarily a bad thing to, you know, to have you know a sport that Ireland does relatively well in, you know, on a very consistent basis. We're having a great win streak right now compared to, you know, 
you know, obviously not having a great time. We're not having a great time in the in the in the football. Good luck to the lads though in Greece against Greece. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll put a decent performance in on that tonight. But look, I think you know, last couple of weeks have been have been great. People have really really enjoyed it. Like you know, I mean, like you know, look at our win against South Africa. What three 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 weeks ago? Phenomenal game. I mean, like you know, you don't have to be a rugby fan to really appreciate like what work they put in. Like I'm not a massive rugby fan, but they put in a serious shift. Like and even then, you know, last week against Scotland, like you know, out watching the game, like it's just it's just great to watch. And like like it does feel like everyone's behind them. Like you know, it's not like you know we don't think we like there's there sort of is an air that like you know oh, maybe 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 we could do it. You know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but like you know we have a very tough game coming up now tomorrow against the All Blacks. Yeah. But like. Success breeds success. And I, I, think, exactly. I think I think yeah. if you look at the South African game as well as you know the expectation was different. Uh, it was a very tough game, but I think for me, I think the team has done superbly well. Uh, we cheer them on. We cheer on the Irish soccer team as well tonight. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, it is wonderful to see the country uh, row behind uh, the lads, and it's they seem it's like great. a lovely bunch really of lads well. as well. Like they seem like a lovely bunch of lads. And even if they went to BlackRock, uh, <laughs> uh, ah, to look, say, I'm not going to hold that against them too. Regardless. Regardless. That was that <laughs> was. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, well, I'm putting it down. Very Maybe skeptical. I'm uh, alone in this, but I actually, it's a bit like the thing of I hope we get the uh, New Zealanders rather than uh, getting France uh, as the uh, quarterfinals. It took me a long time to. Uh, wrap my head around that it's taking me a long time to wrap my head around Ireland in a major because obviously we've done well in things like Aga Khan and, and slightly smaller sports but for a sport of this scale uh, on an initial and women's sports yeah to, but to be the number one ranked team and to I be I touch wood don't jinx it <laughs> but the prospect of actually bringing home a world you seem to be in disbelief Anton <laughs> I, I, I don't know why <laughs> <It> was, because, <laughs> yeah, in fairness they are a fantastic side and they, they've come out against all the odds against all the teams and they have shown to be and deserving of that rank oh you watched they the game the in London the last week I was visiting some friends and like I was torn out of Scottish fans and I'd be like almost patronised me like good game lads good game <laughs> I have never done that in my life <laughs> so yeah so to the most important thing then Cormac if it all works right do we get a bank holiday well you never know <laughs> it wasn't priced into the budget though Aunt Dan yeah. and yeah. Gary what's might complain so we should have to yeah, the well, welcome home yeah. <laughs> we should sure, yeah, bring up the Smithfields for the homecoming <laughs> <laughs> alright well uh, passion uh, aside give us your expectation and prediction what do you think it's going to be like as a as a Okay. Well, as, as, a, as a political reporter, I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess and say that you know it'll be a tight game, um, but Ireland will edge it out on, on come out. On I'd top. agree. Yeah. As a that's... bandwagon jumper, I think we're going to absolutely upend them. We're going to beat them. Forty <laughs> <laughs> points. The best kind of bandwagon jumper, <laughs> who really commits to that bandwagon. You might be on it yourself by Saturday, actually, Anton. Just to say, I'm looking forward yeah. to the tweet now with the jersey on and everything. You know, <laughs> my monster jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. That is uh, Tyg McNally, who is political reporter for the Irish Examiner, Gary Gannon, Social Democrats TD for Dublin Central, and Cormac Devlin, who is Fianna Fáil Chief Whip, Deputy Government Chief Whip, and uh, Dublin Spokesperson and TD. Got to get a shorter title. I was going to say, how do you fit all that in a business card? <laughs> and TD for uh, Dunleary. If you miss anything on the show, you can uh, listen back to any of the items today. They're uploaded as podcasts, which you can listen. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.